0: We are glad you found our little corner of the podcast universe. To our subscribers, guests, visitors, and those with a burning desire for an answer to the question, OK, now what? We welcome you to the From Learning to Earning podcast, sponsored by OK, Now What? This podcast covers topics of interest to anyone starting a business, but is especially focused on the unique concerns of teachers looking to make the move to entrepreneurship. My name is David Zahn, and while I may not have all the answers, I can at least help you answer, okay, now what? Hello, and welcome to this podcast. This podcast will provide insight into something many teachers are currently experiencing and perhaps why you may have chosen to listen to this podcast series. I am talking about the feeling that others have it better than you and that you are experiencing what is called burnout. It is a pretty common occurrence that we tend to compare our situation to others and form opinions about how we compare to them. But I warn you, Comparing oneself to others is often referred to as the thief of joy because it can lead to negative emotions and a diminished sense of self-worth, and that takes away our happiness. When we compare ourselves to others, we tend to focus on their strengths and accomplishments and compare them to our perceived weaknesses and failures. What is likely happening, though, is that you are comparing your blooper reel to their highlight film. Mm-hmm. It's important to keep in mind that comparisons to others are often unfair because they are based on limited and often distorted information. Further, as teachers, you know that we often provide our students with assessments and evaluations to identify gaps, weaknesses, areas for remedial instruction, etc. and our administrators do the same things to us with their observations. Is it therefore any wonder that we experience burnout if we are forever focused on deficits and how to improve them? Today's guest will provide us with a very different view on assessing competencies and how it impacts that feeling of burnout. After listening to this discussion, you will want to compare yourself to yesterday's version of you and not to someone else. Joining me today is Jim Asplund, Chief Scientist for Strengths Based Development for the Gallup organization. I have had personal experience with their Clifton Strengths Assessment and can assure you it is eye opening and focuses on what our strengths are and how to leverage those rather than identify our weaknesses and how to improve upon those. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, David. Good to be here. So, Jim, let's get right <clears> to <throat> it then. Unlike most assessments, Clifton Strengths focuses on leveraging what we do well and not on addressing our deficits. Can you explain why that is a preferred assessment method? Sure,
1: um, <clears throat> happy to be here and uh, be able to explain this. Uh, the Clifton Strengths assessment, which has been around about twenty-five years now, comes out of decades of research into what's often called positive psychology or well-being or thri- research into how people thrive. And Don Clifton, who was a, excuse me, former chairman at Gallup and the principal developer of the Clifton Strengths Assessment, was an educational psychologist. He came back from World War II to kind of place this in the era um, and wanted to do something as he went back into grad school, something positive, make a positive contribution after all the horrible things he witnessed in the war. And and as part of a sort of education researcher, he started to decide to study Flipped the sort of usual medical model, if you will, on its head. And instead of identifying what's wrong with people, identifying syndromes, dysfunction, he wanted to help people identify what they did well, um, how they could do more of that, and identify benefits of, of operating sort of from that more positive mindset. And so, starting really in the late 40s, early 50s, he began a very long term uh, plan or a body of research that ultimately culminated in what we call the Clifton Strengths Assessment now, which is a short assessment taking about half an hour is what we say but most people do it faster than that. To so identify ask you a bunch of questions to help you identify what your sort of most reliable positive um thoughts, feelings and behaviors are. So the things you're more reliably going to do and to help you and they're all the you know they're all good they're not there's not uh they're all equal if you will. Uh, they're all positive things. We're trying to help people sort of change the conversation about how I like your introduction about how they view themselves but also how do they explain themselves to others? So other people can help understand what helps them thrive, what helps them feel uh, like they're productive and engaged in what they're doing, happy, you know, and have, and have sort of a well-rounded, you know, uh, happy life, high well-being in any aspect of life they can. Um, so the, the assessment is sort of the start of that process. You take the assessment. We give you some feedback. Now, the idea is you use that feedback to have conversations with people you know and trust, with yourself, if you will, um, with a coach, however you want to do that. Uh, we have some other materials that you can get a hold of, too. In addition to that, to help you kind of develop that self-awareness, understand how to sort of structure your life in ways that you can operate more from a position of strength, how to develop those uh, sort of leanings and and um, tendencies you have into something that's stronger and more uh, robust um, and uh, through sort of new skills and knowledge. And, um, and in doing so, we found that people who can operate from this sort of standpoint in their life, and it takes some work. But they tend to be uh, have higher well-being. They tend to be more engaged in their jobs. They tend to be more productive. Um, and the more time of your day you can spend doing those sorts of things, the 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 better your life goes, and the less sort of you feel burned out and stressed and all that stuff. So,
0: are there specific implications for collaboration and forming teams based on one's Clifton Strengths assessment?
1: Definitely. Um, so uh try to give you the short version here. There's kind of two pieces to this. Um, and I'll I'll apologize now. I'm I'm a statistician, so everything is going to involve numbers for me. But um uh first of all, we've done some team research, and the and the interesting thing, and I think profound thing in its simplicity that we've identified was the best thing you can do with a team is have everybody know each other's strengths. Um, in terms of it's much more important than what those strengths happen to be. Um, the team will you know those people bring what they can bring to a given uh day or a meeting or project um based kind of on who they are and if you can help understand the best of who we all are we all get uh more done we get along better um the uh we tend to understand why people do things the way they do them instead of the way we might do them or the way we might expect them to do them um and, uh, and and the sort of w- weird twist of this is um, teams tend to be a little more cohesive and more engaged if people kind of have the same strengths. Problem is that's rarely the case, by the way. And and the reason for that obvious is obvious. If I if you act like me, it's going to be easier for me to predict what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and when you do it. Problem is is you miss a lot of things uh, that you get from having more diverse sort of psychological talent on a team. Right? You you don't. It's, it's bad risk management. You know, people have sort of group things. They tend to um, come up with the same answers and solutions for things. They tend to be engaged and disengaged with the same things. So while it's easier to get along if you're more alike, it's actually more common because we found most teams are incredibly diverse, by the way, in terms of their strengths, Um, even though it might not appear so at first glance, um, you're going to tend to be more productive in the long run because you're going to be more more innovative, more uh, agile, more responsive to things that are happening to you around you. So the best thing you can do is just learn those things, whatever they are. now, it so happens that any person who learns their strengths also is going to be more productive to themselves and be better at operating kind of from a position of strength if they know what they're going to do and how to articulate to other people. So, um, and I'll, I'll throw out these words, and I apologize for people who aren't familiar with our with our strengths terminology, but you can see perhaps on the Zoom here that I have a little app that shows my sort of top five strengths themes. Um, I lead with being really analytical. Um, sometimes people like me can jump to solving something before it's really time to do that because we're just inclined to kind of jump in and do that sort of thing. If someone's talking to you about their feelings, that's often the wrong thing to do. Um, and I've made that mistake a million times. It helps to explain people. I'm not trying to be a jerk, uh, kind of overstating this a little bit. Um, but I've just, it's, it's my tendency is to leap towards trying to help by coming up with answers, even though there really isn't an answer and what people really want is for you to listen. And so sometimes these strengths can, can, um, can rub people the wrong way. Um, Sometimes they can make you not behave in ways people expect you to behave because they have a totally different set of uh, predispositions and tendencies and habits and and, uh, desires. And so it helps not only you to to yourself get better by learning this language and how to kind of master these things and make them uh, better, but also to help you get along with other people. And and so for the team implications, um, it's really big in terms of being able to kind of understand who does what, who's going to prefer to do what, um, doesn't mean it's the get-out-of-jail-free card for things you don't want to do because we all have to do things we don't want to do and things that may be hard for us. um, But at least people will then understand that, you know, that that's why maybe it's a little harder for you is because of something you've told you about yourself.
0: Most of the listeners to this very podcast are current or former educators who are at least considering leaving teaching because of what they will describe as feeling burnt out. Can you explain for us exactly what is burnout?
1: Sure, um, this is a topic of, of deep interest to me, um, both in general and because of teachers, I have a ton of teachers, I mean, like a lot of people, I think there's a lot of educators in my family. Uh, my wife is a former special ed teacher um, who in fact left teaching, it's a physically demanding job special ed, especially when the kids get bigger than you. And um, and she, in fact, started uh, went started some businesses of her own, you know, uh, coming out of that. And my brother's a school superintendent. and My grandma's a teacher. I mean, they're just teachers everywhere in my family. So I love teachers and I can totally understand how they might be feeling burned out on any occasion, especially now, kind of in the wake of everything they all understand better than I do. When we talk about burnout, um, and I think it's an intuitive thing that other people understand is it's a little bit like, stress in the sense that you, you, and we all know what that feels like, but burnout is more sort of chronic stress. Um, and in fact, the World Health Organization has a de- definition of this. It, it aligns perfectly with what we're talking about uh, when we do our own research, which is it's kind of sy- systemic or chronic stress that's kind of badly or not successfully managed. So it's not just being stressed, but it's, it's ongoing um, uh, to the point where it, it, it's, it's creating some fairly common symptoms like you know people feel sort of emotionally, physically exhausted, um, burnt. When people talk about being burned out, they usually typically mean they're also, they don't feel like they're accomplishing much. They feel like they're not being fulfilled or they're not getting much done. They start doubting themselves more. It's a, it's a pretty common state. I think we've all experienced it at least from here, you know, from time to time. But when it becomes really chronic is when it starts developing. Um, and in our own research, we've seen this. Um, developing, you know, worse sort of symptoms, you know, leading up to, you know, quitting your job, you know, which is one thing, but, uh, and maybe what one thing we're talking about here today, but also taking more sick days, you know, phoning it in, if you will, at work, they don't have the energy to do what they used to do, or, you know, have medical concerns, you know, people develop, you know, psychological and medical uh, complications from, from chronic burnout, and, and so it's a very serious thing, um, and people need to, take care of themselves, and we need to take care of each other when that starts to happen.
0: If you are enjoying this podcast broadcast and wish to connect with David Zahn to pursue your own journey into entrepreneurship, you can schedule a no-cost and no-obligation 20-minute chat-and-chew-with-you discussion at www okaynowwhat.biz and that's spelled O-K-A-Y-N-O-W W-H-A-T dot biz slash get dash started dot H-T-M-L and now back to our podcast. If someone is currently feeling that burnt out feeling and they have that malaise, that that stress feeling when it's Sunday night, you know, that the work week is ahead of you, what can or should they do?
1: Well, that's a big question. Um, the, yeah, you know, there's there's a, a lot of layers to this. There's some things you can do for yourself, obviously. Um, I'll probably do those last. Uh, I think the other thing is, you know, we can't let sort of our environment off the hook. Um, some of this is is outside of your control or at least immediate control, right? So, you know, as for anybody who's listening, who's a manager or a leader, if you're a high school principal or an administrator or just a lead teacher or you're in a position of authority in some kind, you know, the, there's some things you can do to help other people not feel as burned out. Right. I mean, I, I think managers are hard enough jobs. So I'm going to ask them to do more here. But, um, you know, the, the more clear communications you can get from your managers, the more su- you can support people who report to you or work for you, the more you can listen. I mean, listening is is underrated. Uh, to people's problems and, and actually actively listen and and try to uh, and maybe not like me jump to try to fix it, but you know, at least uh, be willing to to hear and listen about things. Um people on your team, of course, you know, that can help you out. Um if you have if you're open to sharing that stuff with them, you know, you, you kind of need the safe space to talk about this stuff. Not every place, not every person feels that. So that's also a little bit uncommon on the leaders of the of the, of the organization or the team to help you feel like, um, you're able to talk about these things and, and not feel guilty about it. You know, we all have our own, um, sort of stressors. And, and sometimes you may think that yours is a silly one or, or you shouldn't be that way, but don't feel that way. We all have them. Um, sometimes, and, I, and again, I'm going from sort of easiest to hardest or the most, sometimes it's your workspace, right? You can do some things, uh, in your workspace to declutter it, to reduce sort of noise and interruptions, you know, you can, um, <laughs> teachers, this is going to be hard, you know, kids, you know, interrupt. But, um, uh, you know, lighting and workspace, believe it or not, has a big effect. Um, and then I think the, the, the thing you can do for yourself is be honest with kind of what your workload capabilities are. When you're feeling, learn to recognize when you're feeling burned out. Learn to do what you can to help time pressures uh, be a little more realistic about things. Um, because, you you know, If you burn yourself out in the in the short run you can really damage the long run a lot more um and um you know any job and of course teachers are an interesting place here because i think a lot of jobs that we look at where people lack autonomy they feel a lot more burned out now teachers in a way have a lot of autonomy um they may not feel like it sometimes but you know you are often you know kind of in your room Mostly alone with an aide and a bunch of students or in control of your curriculum, maybe, <laughs> depending on where you are uh, what you're teaching, what state you're in, all that stuff. Um, but um, so you're in a position there to have a little more control, perhaps, over some of the things that could be burning you out than, than other people. Um, of course, you also have communities of people who think they're your boss and pay your salaries, all the stuff we've all heard. So you have that different set of stress so you know it all evens out right and maybe you know in the end but um so i think you know some of those are very simple things you can do now what we've done some research on very recently is kind of how you can sort of individualize what you do in reaction to this uh feelings of burnout and so i'll try to be this quick on this um we asked several thousand people who had taken our strengths assessment so we could understand kind of what their strengths are you know what they do how they cope with burnout when they're feeling it, feelings of burnout. And by the way, three-fourths of the population or more feels it some of the time. So, I mean, 20-some percent, I think it's 26% was the day point I last saw in our research, feel it a lot. But, um, but you know, most of us have felt it at some point or another. So we we, we tend to have some experience with it. Um, and we gave people many, many options, not all of them positive, to, to kind of self-endorse you know endorse what they think they um, – how they uh, – Respond in in times of burnout. And by the way, we have an an article on this coming out in the the month, this month sometime, as well as a a guide you can download. It's free um, at It'll be there to help you kind of work through a checklist of kind of what you do and maybe give you some guidance uh, on on what you can perhaps do to to help alleviate burnout more. So we asked, anyway, thousands of people, 3,000 plus people, what they do and kind of how they reacted to that, how that helped alleviate their feelings of burnout. And the interesting thing was, and perhaps not too surprising, is that our strengths tell us a little bit about how we we tend to react to things. Um, And so um, now I'll I'll simplify it a little bit. We have uh, 34 different strengths themes in the Clifton Strengths assessment. We kind of bundle those for convenience sake when we're talking in shorthand into these four what we call domains. So these four domains, one of them is called the executing domain. So people in the executing themes, it's just what it sounds like. They tend to be people who like to get a lot done, kind of like an orderly life. Uh, They're very productive. Um, Well, when these people feel overwhelmed or frustrated by their jobs, they're kind of more likely than other people to do things that give them a sense of accomplishment some other way. Um, Now, some of that can be very productive. It can be going for a run. It can be doing something, you know, bake a cake, do something, you know, it makes them feel like they're accomplishing something, but also isn't sort of necessarily piling onto their feeling of stress from work. Sometimes what they do is they just get back to work as fast as they can and try to plow through it. Um, And that's less helpful, as you might imagine, than the uh, sort of uh, other version of um, executing things. We have another uh, strengths domain we call influencing. These are people who tend to be uh, good at communicating, good at leadership, or more prone to take the lead on things, have command uh, of the situation they're in. they actually did pretty well with stress uh, as a rule and burnout. Um, they tended to be, do things like spend more time with family and friends. They tended to think more globally about their work, how it contribute to their life, longer term life goals. Um, and so they tended to do things like that, that that, that, that reduce their um, feelings of stress or burnout. People whose strengths lead around relationship building. So these are people who, you know, the, the relationships with other people, uh, take variety of forms, that's sort of their dominant approach to how they view what they do every day. Um, they tended to reframe their work from the perspective of others. Um, now, interestingly enough, some of that was not very productive for them. Um, if they uh, thought about how their work affects others, at least that helped them kind of power through. Um, I'm going to guess a lot of teachers lead with sort of relationship building themes Um, Especially, uh, you know, uh, uh, teachers of of, of elementary school children, because I think that would probably help you a lot. But it doesn't really have much to do with what you do for a living, I'm just guessing on that. Um, But the other thing that did that, that actually tended to make the situation worse is some people who lead with relationship themes, they also tended to think about how others they work with might feel about the same situation. And that created a sort of negative feedback work about, I bet, you know, Mary would be mad at this too. And then, and then suddenly, I mean, I talk to them about it, and then, of course, they builds this sort of uh, extra added stress on top of the situation that's perhaps not healthy. Um, and then there's other people who are people kind of more like me who like to think a lot, and they have what we call thinking themes. Um, and that could be, you know, creative thinking, analytical thinking, lots of different kind of thinking. What they tended to do, uh, again, I'm generalizing here, they tended to take more time to think through the situation, t- stop and take a break. And either relax to clear their head or reframe how they thought about the situation with the exception of that one sort of uh relationship building thing i mentioned all of those things i mentioned helped people uh and they tended to help them and, and they tended to be the kinds of things if you look at who that what their strengths are um that they would uh, be more prone to do if you will now it turns out uh some people did things that as a group they weren't as prone to do and in case some cases and our guide that you can download goes into all this, um, runs through some of the other coping strategies that people tried um, that perhaps weren't as obvious to them that turned out to be, in, in many cases, better than the things they were more prone to do. So for example, people who are high-executing theme people, rather than kind of plowing ahead, uh, they actually did much better in terms of the reducing their burnout symptoms by stopping their sort of conditional, you know sort of habitual uh, working and accomplishing things to think through their situation, um, possibly to calm down, possibly to think of another way to do it. Um, and sometimes just thinking positively about their current situation, like what is what are they gonna get out of plowing through this? Um, so really uh, it was more about um, taking a break instead of sort of habitually kind of plowing forward with uh, getting things done. Um, I think sometimes people who lead with these themes find it almost immoral to stop kind of get, checking things off their list. Or, or they feel like they're being irresponsible. But really, in the long run, they probably aren't. Um, People with those relationship building themes um, really, instead of their sort of more standard reaction, which is to reach out to others and talk to others about it, they actually benefited more by kind of going within themselves and trying some mindfulness things. And that could really be anything. People, you know, we, we kind of gave them a lot of options. That could be meditation, yoga, prayer, any of those things. To really help them, by the way, the best thing that they could do was actually think about how they approached these situations before, and that's where I think, um, uh, uh, sort of, an, and that by the way, a lot of people tried that one. Um, and um, and while we didn't see burnout uh, strategies very much by age, I'm willing to bet that the effectiveness of that is higher among people you know my age than, than younger people because we have faced these situations before. I, I feel particularly bad for newer employees, people who are new at the job, whose life situations, you know, heads haven't prepared them for some of this stuff. It's harder to kind of think um, think through how you've approached that before when you haven't. And uh, and I think that's probably one of the reasons we see more burnout among younger employees, that it's it's newer to them. And um, and the, the pandemic was harder on them, I think, you know, for a lot of re- reasons we all know. Um, now, it turns out the influencing and the uh, thinking people tended to do, pick exactly the right things for them to do i mean it was you know uh, i think the one thing i i i didn't mention was one thing a lot of people did was just they spent more time with their family and friends i think your relationships um can can do a lot for you um i know that that the harvard longitudinal study on on happy lives has been in the news a lot lately i encourage people to check that book out it's uh, it's pretty good um it's interesting uh, a what research questions people come up with in the depression but cuz they've been doing it that long but Setting that aside, I think their their big finding, uh, which would resonate with a lot of our own research, is that um, our social well being, our our family and our friends, uh, are hugely important to us. And especially in times of burnout, having someone to talk to um, who can help you be constructive, someone who can, you can bounce things off of, um, and and not you know just complain about stuff all the time. Um, can really help people out. And so I think that my long answer is, is that there's a lot of things you can do. Um, I don't want to be uh, uh, overly optimistic about how easy it is, um, but there is a place you can start by understanding yourself better, thinking about um, what things you do to help get out of burnout, but also how you might put yourself into that situation uh, to begin with um, and, and and having involving your friends and coworkers in this so they can spot it when you're doing it to yourself. I mean, I'm, I'll just... Pick on myself, I'm my own worst enemy because I'm interested in so many things. I sign up to do more things than I really have time to do. I think there's probably a lot of us out there uh, in the world, um, and so um, I've actually asked other people to tell me to cut it out, and and given them basically authority to to un- unsubscribe me for things if I'm if I've got better uses for my time. Uh, and so my coworkers are happy to do that uh, for me, thankfully, and um, and so I think you know. Um, that self awareness piece uh, is big uh, in terms of identifying not only what what you do in response to burnout, but how do you avoid the situations to as much as much as possible when you get there. I, again, we all feel time stress. I think the trick is not that is not to put yourself in a situation like that where it's chronic. Um, and then, by the way, at the end of our guide, there are a lot of things uh, that you can ask your manager and your leader to do if any of those things apply to you, because we have studied what causes burnout. I mean. Um, it, it's often very obvious things to those of us who've experienced them. And I've been very lucky because I haven't really, but friends of mine have. Uh, but things like, you know, being treated unfairly at work or, or whether you are or not, if you perceive it that way, that's that's bad. Uh, and, and you better find out, you know, if you can, what you can do about it, or at least understand the truth of it. Unmanageable workload is a very common reason. Um, really just unclear communications or, messages about what you're supposed to be doing what your expectations are Uh, i imagine education that's a very serious problem because everyone's an expert and comes at teachers with their own solutions and things all the time i hear about that from my family members often um feeling just no getting no support so when you run into problems not getting any help for when things happen that's that's on your leaders to do more for you as long as they under are aware that you need that support um, those are really the kind of main ways people get burned out. Um, I think we we look at the specifics of most situations; they tend to fall into one of those categories. And and so that some of what you can do is really just help make your managers, leaders, coworkers aware of what's going on. It helps if you're in a trusting situation where you can have that conversation. I understand that um, not everyone is. Um, so baby steps sometimes in terms of getting there. Um, but but trying to be constructive. Uh, With that, we'll go a long way, I think, for
0: a lot of people. Jim, turning this somewhat on its head, at least a little bit, can I extract from some negative behaviors what domain someone might be uh, uh, strongest in? For instance, if they're likely to drink heavily or overeat as a result of feeling burnt out or stress, would that be reasonable for me to think, oh, this person is in domain A versus B?
1: Nothing we've really seen, no. I think, you know, um, those things are really framed to kind of what our sort of internal drives are and how we relate to other people in the world. We haven't linked it to really any pathologies of any kind. Um, we don't ever intend to. <laughs> and um, I, I mean, I suspect um, that uh, we're all prone to some of those things to varying degrees uh, that may or may not have anything to do with, with our own uh, internal motivations, right? You know, there's, there's genetics and and social structures and all those sorts of things that other people know far more about than I do, um, that it influenced those things. I, I will think, though, that kind of twist your question a little bit. I think sometimes when people um, self-medicate and do things like that is in reaction to being in a bad situation, which may have been helped by understanding themselves and articulating who they are better to others. It's not going to hurt. Um, it, it may not stop you from drinking, but <laughs> in fact, it probably won't but it might help you um, have a, a better sense of self-worth and um, better relationships with other people that might help you when you do go down the wrong road.
0: Well, Jim, this has been really enlightening and very illuminating and I so appreciate you spending time with us. If people wanted to learn more about Gallup, Clifton Strengths, and more about the kind of work being done by your organization, How best can they contact you or find out about the organization's uh, efforts? Oh, yeah, you can find out most of what you need
1: one way or another at gallup.com. So G A L L U P.com. We have, uh, I mean, we're pretty well known for our polls and things like that, but we also have uh, sort of a news service on there. So a lot of this stuff's really accessible through articles that have been written. Um, So if you get on the site and you want to search for strengths articles, it's pretty easy um we have research papers for i mean we have educators here people who are pretty, pretty smart and want more details um you can get all that if you want um it's uh it's pretty easy to google any of that stuff and find our stuff or me either way um if you if you may i i hope uh it helps people i mean like i said the teaching and educators are near and dear to my heart and uh god knows they they provide an invaluable service to all of us so i hope People can find a way to stay in teaching or if it's the right thing to get out, find a way to do that. (laughs) And and I'm glad you're doing this for them because I I know
0: it's tough out there. So Again, we do appreciate you sharing all of your insight and wisdom and experience. And uh, I'm certain this will help many people formulate what their future plans will include. So thanks again. Hey, happy to do it. You have been listening to From Learning to Earning Hosted by David Zahn, the teacher's business mentor. If you have not already done so, please register to join the Facebook group, Business Launch From Fear to Fabulous, where you can find additional information and participate in a community of like-minded people venturing into business ownership. And if you are ready to receive one-on-one coaching, or enroll in a self-paced course to make your dream business a reality, you can contact David Zahn at wwwoknowotbiz backslash get-started.html. And as always, we want to hear from you about topics you would like to have covered or your feedback on this or other episodes. Drop us an email with your thoughts at davidzahn, D-A-V-I-D-Z-A-H-N, at oknowwhat.biz. And don't forget to invite your friends to listen to this or any of our other episodes and join our podcast community.